Hey, welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and to trust Him more. To keep up with us or to get more information, visit celebrationchurchlive.com. We're, t- we're kicking off a new series today uh, that we're just calling Short Stories, and we're going to be looking at some of the parables. We're not going to cover all of Jesus's parables, but we're going to cover some of the parables. Now, if you've been in church for a while, you're a little like, okay, you know, I've heard the parables since I was uh, in Sunday school. And so I'm praying that they're fresh and alive and relevant as they always are. But if you're new to church, if you're new around here, the parables cover some of the core teachings of Jesus. And we have to as a church, revisit some of these things just so we're kind of all on the same page and we can all kind of grow together in this space. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be revisiting some of these core teachings that Jesus had. So if you've got your Bible app, you've got your Bible, however it is you're going to track with us, that we're leading off with this concept in this series, that we've been invited to be transformed by the truth of God's love for us. And one of the ways that that the truth is revealed is through the stories Jesus used in his teaching. Jesus used stories over and over again. One of the amazing things is that Jesus' stories were incredibly relevant uh, when his vocal cords vibrated the air and those vibrations landed on the eardrums of his listeners there in the land of Israel uh, 2,000 years ago. They just were life-transforming and mind-awakening. Here's what is so brilliant about the parables of Jesus is that even though culture is very, very different, they're still just as relevant right now as they were when Jesus spoke them to a live audience all of those years ago. And so stories have this wonderful way of being able to reveal, make things connect, take the everyday things and make them make sense to us. But they also have this way that they automatically put a handle on the truth. It just makes it real easy to carry around because as soon as we revisit or talk about the story again, um, the truth just comes alive and all of the facets of the truth come alive again. And so stories are powerful on many levels. In fact, that's why um, then when we teach here, whoever steps on this stage typically is going to use some stories to help illustrate and bring alive the scriptures. And so with that, I want to tell you a story. And so um, my first remembrance of and my uh, encounter with glasses, with like prescription glasses, was not with my dad. My dad has worn glasses my whole life. Um, But I knew my dad needed those to go to work. They were expensive, and you do not touch the glasses. I learned that early on. Those are no-no. You do not mess with the glasses. So I wasn't allowed to put those on, and then they were the wrong prescription, and they would have ruined your eyes. You know, you can't put them on, and you just immediately, your eyes will shrivel up in your head, and it's, they're just, you put on the wrong prescription. It's just terrible. And uh, so, 
Uh, so uh, my first experience with prescription glasses, and in particular bifocals, were my grandmother's, my Mima's glasses. And so she had glasses, and I, I took them off of her, and I put them on. And so, and I remember trying to walk around with my Mima's bifocals on, and it was just weird. It was just awkward. You had both of these different views, and of course, the lower part is to magnify. So then as you look down through the glasses, it makes it everything look a little closer. And I just remember this encounter with my grandmother that I felt like I was standing on top of something because it looked like there was a step. And I remember telling my Mimo, it's like, Mimo, I'm up here and I can't get down. I just kept trying to step down. And every time I was still up there, I was just stuck up on wherever I was. And my problem wasn't that I, was, I wasn't stuck anywhere. I just... In my, my vision, I thought I was. I had the wrong lens on. I put the wrong things and I was viewing my little life through the wrong thing and it made me feel like I was stuck when I wasn't stuck at all. Good. And I began to have a struggle that was an unnecessary struggle because of a wrong lens. All of religion is an unnecessary struggle because of a wrong lens. All of religion has this idea that we've got to fix ourselves to please an angry, distant God. And the truth is, is that God has come near. He has dealt with all of sin and shame, and he has drawn near to us. And Jesus came and used his parables to give us the right lens, to release us from the struggle of religion, to be able to step into the beautiful thing of relationship. And so, but if we get back into that space and we get into the struggle of religion, we will end up inviting that into this right here. We'll invite it into our relationship with God and turn it back into the struggle of religion. All of Jesus' parables are given to break away that religious lens and let us see the Father in a more clear way so that we can receive what he wants to give. Religion says we've got to earn something. We have to prove something. We have to strive for something. And the relationship with God is we need to be able to receive what he wants to do in our lives. And in fact, this initial parable is uh, is completely about that. But before we get into it, let's look at John chapter 8, verse 30. John 8, verse 30 says that even as he, Jesus, spoke, many believed in him. And to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are truly my, or really my disciples. And then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Pastor Keenan touched on this last week when he preached. And if you missed that message, you need to go online and get it. It was fantastic on Jesus being the way. And it's an awesome, awesome, clear presentation of why Jesus is the way. But he hit on this truth that, that we'll know the truth and the truth will set us free. And we can easily begin to truncate that saying and get it down to the truth sets you free and begin to wrongly think that simply, somehow, mysteriously, the truth sets us free when what Jesus clearly said is, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
That's why the enemy is called the father of lies. Why? Because if he'll keep you wrapped up in a lie, you won't know the truth, and then the truth won't set you free. The lie keeps you in a place of captivity. It keeps you in a place of bondage. But Jesus laid out more than that you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He says, if you'll hold to my teachings then you'll be truly my disciples. You'll be learning of me. And then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So we got to hold to his teachings like, okay, pastor, I, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. That's just where it's, we got to do everything Jesus says. This gets us right back into the religion, right back into all the stuff we're required to do. No, no, no. That's not what he says. He says, if you'll hold to my teachings, if you'll hold on to them, if you'll lock hands with them, that when you're walking through life, you said, nope, I'm going where Jesus goes. I'm doing things Jesus's way. I'm going to make them, in fact, that Greek word, mineo, it means to make your own. That I'm going to hold on and now I'm going to say, this is mine. Jesus is saying, what I want you to do is not just recognize my teaching from a long way away. Make it part of your life. You begin to embrace it into yourself. And that is the core of all of the parables. In fact, the pair of the heart of the parable we're going to look at today. Why? Because the mysteries of God were never meant to evade us. They were meant to invite us. And you know that mysteries always pull you in. Mysteries always pull you in. In fact, how many links have you clicked on because they left off one little word in the description of the little article? They leave one little word out. They type it as, you won't believe what happened when so-and-so said this to, you know, well, who they say it to? What, what is it? So you just, you got to click the link and see what's going on. You, all of a sudden, a little bit of mystery, it looks like that they've left the key fact out to deceive you and to keep it from you. But we all know that wasn't why they left it out. They created a mystery to invite you. They wanted you to want to go deeper into that article. They wanted you to click it and to be able to get into that space over and over again. In fact, that's why there are so many different books and shows and movies that have a mystery plot. I love any kind of thing that's mystery. I just love having to try to figure it out and, and see the pieces come together and, and do the escape rooms and all of the mystery style. And I enjoy all of those different aspects. And it, it does the exact opposite. It looks like it's been clouded to keep you in ignorance. But the truth is, is God's mysteries have invited our nature to come after his nature, our curious nature, our, na our nature that likes to discover, our nature that likes to explore. He's like, come explore me, come discover me. I'm inviting you to know me in a deeper way. That's what all of the mysteries of God, they're not there to evade us, they're there to invite us. And so as Jesus is teaching in parables, he's not doing it to be cryptic. He's not doing it to keep everybody at a distance. He's doing it to invite us in to a place of discovery. Let's look at Mark chapter 4, verse 2. 
Jesus says here, he says that he taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. Okay, now that makes sense that a farmer would sow seed because a farmer that doesn't sow seed isn't a farmer. He's a landowner. He's some recluse that lives off by himself out at the edge of the county. But until he sows some seed, he's not a farmer. So a farmer goes out to sow a seed. Well, a farmer ought to know some stuff about seed sowing. But immediately we look, and the very first thing we find out about this farmer and his seed sowing is he's not very good at it. It says, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Right off the beginning, we were like, this is a fail. What kind of farmer is this? This is not a very good farmer. This is a novice farmer. I'm telling you, if I'm going to plant some seed, I want it to be put in the ground good. The only way it ends up on the path is if I've already put it in all of the places I'm confident it'll grow, and then I've just got some extra, and then I'm just kind of chunking it everywhere because I don't want it to just sit in my shed, okay? It's... I am intentional if I'm going to sow some seed. But the very first thing we see that this farmer does in sowing his seed lands on the path. And the birds eat it. Doesn't even have a chance. And then the next thing we see is that some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. And it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. And then other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants and they did not bear grain. And still other seed fell on good soil and it came up and it grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. And then Jesus said, whoever have his ears to ear, hear, let him hear. See, the parables are a beautiful example of God helping us to know him better so that we can trust him more. Wanting us to understand his nature. As we begin to unpack this parable, all of a sudden we begin to see the nature of God and the nature of our interaction with God. But before we get into the first part of the parable, I want us to look at the last line of the parable. Because I'm just going to be honest. I've been preaching for 29 years now. And for the first 20 years, I'd taught this parable many, many times. And for the first 20 years, I didn't pay much attention to verse 9. It was kind of like a, him wrapping it up. Like, hey, I just told you something. You know, pay attention to it. And so I didn't really pay it. I didn't really give it much weight but then a few years ago as I was studying this parable I began to see the weight of verse 9 verse 9 says and then Jesus says whoever has ears to hear let him hear this is the punchline this is the weight of the parable this is the reason he told the parable 
Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. As we're going to look at it, that's the whole story of the parable. Be ready to hear God's word. Be open to God's word. Because we all know the truth. That just because you have ears, that don't mean you're listening. And all the teachers said, amen. Because they know those kids aren't listening. All the wives said, amen. Because they know sometimes the husbands aren't listening. I learned early on that my ears were not always functioning. Because sometimes my dad would say, Brandon, you got gunk in your ears? And I'd go, oh, oh, sorry, dad, sorry, dad. And um, I was supposed to be helping him, and I was not paying good attention. And so because I was just get zoned in, I would just get fixated. <laughs> things were being said, things were being, um, information was being given to me. My ears functioned, but I did not have ears to hear what was being said. I was in my own world. Brooklyn, whenever she was two years old, uh, so this was a while ago, our oldest daughter, um, I was sitting on the couch. She was uh, standing on the couch next to me, and she was just jabbering along, and I'm just zoned into the TV watching the TV, and she's just jabbing along, and at some point, I'm watching TV, and then all of a sudden, I'm not watching TV anymore. I just got whiplash because she grabbed my face and whipped it around to her and said, Daddy, listen to me. And I was like, oh, but baby girl, I'm, I'm, what, do you, what are you trying to tell me? I am so sorry because she had been telling me, but I had not been listening. But see, some of you know that you're very good on the other end of it. Now, there's some of you that will say you have inquiring minds. Other people might call you nosy, but uh, we have inquiring minds. And you're some of those that you can go to dinner and you can go out to a restaurant and you're sitting there with somebody, but you know exactly what's being said three booths over. And you're sitting there and going, this is good. Now, the person across from you, they ain't getting any of your time, but man, you can Focus and listen because you have ears to hear. I was surprised one time uh, a few years back. Cutie and I were um, at a restaurant here in town with uh, some friends of ours. And, and of course, you know, being in, we were both in ministry. And so we were just visiting about the things of God and we were just talking. And we were in a booth. The booth was a deep booth, had high walls. And so we're just talking. And we'd been talking and sitting there and had, you know, had our meal, then had some dessert, had coffee. We've been sitting in that booth for a couple hours. And, and about an hour and a half into that, these people who had been having, having their dinner, they come over to our booth and said, um, we've been enjoying y'all's conversation this whole time. And I've not really thought of some of those things about the Bible and God. And it was really intriguing. And, and they begin to say, what do, you, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And I'm just like, oh, okay. And so I had no idea there was somebody that was totally dialed in. And so I don't know that the wife was very happy about it, but the husband got a little Bible lesson that night. And so so, but he was dialed in. He had ears to hear. He had ears to hear. That's what Jesus is inviting us into is we have to have ears to actually hear. And he says, those who have ears to hear, let him hear. What an amazing truth that we're going to hear 
God's word. And then he says, let him hear. It's the same language we find in Genesis. When God's word speaks into a dark void and says, let there be light. It's the same language when God's word is released and said, let there be a, a light to govern the day and a light to govern the night. Let there be a separation of the waters. Let there be dry land. Let there be animals that swim within the sea. Let there be plants that, that grow upon the ground. Let there be birds that fly. Let there be beasts that crawl. Let there be. It's the same language that the word of God is being released and there's a response and a creative connection. That's the point of the parable. That God's word has been spoken and created, but it has to be received for a change to come about. Paul's heart was seen in this in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. It says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Our eyes to be open to understand him. Yes. To be able to receive from him. Now let's look at Mark chapter 4. And I want to read it first um, in the message translation. And so let's look at Mark chapter 4 verse 9. Eugene Peterson just puts it so good. He says, are you listening to this? Really listening? When they were off by themselves, those who were close to him, along with the twelve, asked about the stories. And he told them, you've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. But to those who can't see it yet, everything comes in stories, creating a readiness, nudging them towards receptive insight. These are people whose eyes are open, but don't see a thing. Whose ears are open, but don't understand a word. Who avoid making an about face and getting forgiven. See, the truth is, is the effectiveness of God's word in our lives depends on the openness of our hearts. It depends on the openness of our hearts. That's where the effectiveness comes from. See, Mark chapter 4, verse 13 tells us this. It says, and Jesus said to them, do you not, do you, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? He said, if you don't get this parable, you're not going to understand any of the parables. Why? Because the heart of this parable is to understand what Jesus is saying, to be receptive to what he's saying. So if you don't get that you need to be receptive to his word, well, then none of his words matter. If you're not going to be open to it, none of them matter. The rest of the parables don't matter if you're not, if you don't get this one, that you have to be ready to receive what he has to say. Then he goes on to explain. He says, the farmer sows the word. Oh, that changes things. Now that we understand the seed being sown is God's word. Well, man, now 
We're not so judgy towards this sloppy farmer who's just throwing the word out on the ground and onto the rocks and into the thorny places along with the good soil. We see the heart of the sower, the heart of God saying he's going to make the word available to everybody. He's not going to just look and see, oh, your heart is open. I'll give you some. Your heart is open. I'll give you some. Oh, no, no, no. Your heart's closed. You get nothing. He's like, no, I am putting the word out to everybody and it's up to the soil to open up to it. I'm going to put it out and there's not going to be any place that the word has not gone. Just because it's not been effective in that space doesn't mean it wasn't available in that space. It says that God's word is going to go out to everyone. It's going to be put out to everyone. See the heart of God for everybody through the sower sowing the word. And that some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. And as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. So if your heart is heart, word just bounces off. It doesn't matter. It doesn't gonna, it's not going to produce. Others are like seen, seed sown on rocky places. They hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Now here's this space where you and I have got to pay close attention. Because we're people that are in church on a holiday weekend. We're serious about connecting and growing in church. You've dialed in digitally on a holiday weekend. You're, you're serious about getting God's word locked up in your heart. Here is what we have to understand is every encounter we have with God's word is an opportunity for us, our hearts to fall in one of these four places. You're like, well, I'm a child of God. My, my heart is open. Praise God. You believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except by him. Praise God. You believe that, and you receive that, and your heart was good ground for that word, and it produced the harvest of life that it's supposed to. But as you have been growing, as I've been growing, there are times that other things, other truths, truths of discipleship, truths of life change, truths of different steps that I've not always been good ground for God's word. I've not always been open and receptive to that. And then there's been times I've been the rocky thing that I had a moment in church. I had a moment in my quiet time and all of a sudden I was like, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. And the seed went in and it began to grow. But then what does it say happens? It says, then when persecution and trouble come because of the word, God's calling me to a higher level of patience with somebody. And I say, yes, Lord, I hear that. I'm going to do that. But now I'm actually having to walk in patience with that person, with that situation, with that project, with that thing. And then now all of a sudden, 
because the persecution and trouble come because I'm trying to walk out what God has called me to do and I get frustrated and go, nope. And I walk away. Then all of a sudden I was rocky soil in that space because I did not lean into his grace when trouble and persecution came. So folks, you and I, we need to be good soil all the time. And we will limit our growth and our maturity if we're not good soil when he talks to us. So that's why we, every time we connect with God's word, we need to make sure we're good soil. Why? Because there's another thing that can, that can hold things up. Said so in verse 18, it says, but still others lack seen, seed sown among thorns. Hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. See, I had always thought for a long time when I studied this that, of course, the the first one, the thing never germinates, so it gets gobbled up. It's food for the birds. It's dead. It was, it's, it's dead seed. Then there's the one that we see, it lands in the rocky soil, it sprouts, and then it withers and it dies. So it's dead. And in my mind, for a long time, the one that got choked was also dead. But that's not what it says. It says that the plant grows, but the things around it choke out its fruitfulness. It chokes out its fruitfulness. And for you and I, this is the one we have to be the most watchful for. Because we'll inspect and go, no, that that seed is still alive. That plant is still alive. Why is it not being fruitful in my life? I haven't rejected it. It's not dead. It hasn't withered up. That plant is still alive. Why is it not producing fruit? Well, the first thing that makes it squelch the fruit is worry. What in this area am I worrying about? Am I not fully trusting God in this that's choking out its fruitfulness? Have I walked away and begun to pursue the deceitfulness of wealth or just the desire for other things? God put this desire in my life. I let it grow for a little bit, but then I walked away and now it's not producing fruit. Guess what? In that area, we don't need a new seed. We just need the other stuff to be removed. And guess what? That thing that's already alive, boop, produce fruit. Amen. It'll just begin to produce fruit. If we get those other things, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and desire for other things, keep it from choking. But praise God for verse 20, others like seed sown on good soil, hear the word accept it and produce a crop some 30 some 60 and some 100 times what was sown all of a sudden now it just begins to grow and produce 30 60 100 times what was sown even harvest of what fell on the path even the stuff that ended up in the rocky stuff even the stuff that was choked out when the seed finally takes off all of a sudden the abundance that comes from that offsets all of that other mess when we finally let God's word fully activate in our lives we see it begin to undo some places we'd shut it out before and we need to open our hearts fully to God and it comes down to our openness our receptiveness and I saw this on massive display in my own life when we were traveling in 2008 
and we were getting ready to our next step of ministry, which ended up being Celebration Church. And we were traveling around, and we were visiting a bunch of different churches. We were we only had five kids at that time. We have seven now, and so but there was five kids, Cutie and I, in an RV, living full time, traveling around the U.S. and visiting churches. It was a a, a magical, amazing time, and um, we go and we would visit these churches and we would interview their leaders and what was wild is we began to notice like you know we'd be in a church that we were two people in a room full of 5,000 people and it was like that message was just for us and then there are other times we were two people in a room full of 100 people it's like that message was just for us and about six or seven weeks into it we're like man it's like God is just putting us to hear the messages we just need to hear and, and just speaking to us and to a certain degree there was that space God was certainly order in our steps but as we got deeper into it the Holy Spirit began to convict me and said Brandon you know what's the difference is you know you're only going to be in that church one time you're going to hang out with that group one time you don't know what your what next year is going to look like and you are hungry to hear from me and that is what makes this different is you're sitting there saying Lord talk to me and he says, I've been wanting to talk to you like this, this whole time, that every time, but right now you're in a desperate place. You've sold everything. You're traveling around in an RV. You don't know where your next step. You ha- you're leaning in to desperately hear me. You just need to stay like that all the time. And I will speak to you like that all the time, all the time. If we'll keep ourselves open and hungry for God, he will transform our lives. I'm very grateful that a number of you will catch me in the foyer after service and tell me, hey, Pastor, you know, the message just blessed me. I just loved it. just really spoke to me. And, and, you know, and some of you will even say, hey, you know, I love Celebration Church. I just always feel like God's just talking to me. And I've answered some of you this way. I'm like, thank you. I love to hear that. We pray for that. But I've answered some of you this way. It's like what makes the difference isn't so much the message that we're delivering. What's making the difference is your openness to receive what God has to say. If you'll stay hungry, God will keep talking. And I just purpose that if we'll teach the word, if we'll open up the word and you'll stay hungry, God's going to do the rest. I don't have to sit there and have some special download from heaven. I have to understand and preach solid truth that God says in his word. And you have your hearts open and God will speak. God will show up and God will transform our lives. And I'm convinced of it. But it takes a place where guess what? You know what? When I'm studying, I'm like, Lord, people are going to show up to hear from you. Help me rightly divide the word. And then your responsibility is to have a heart open to be able to hear from God. And when those two things collide, beautiful things happen. Mark 1.15 says this, the time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. That word repent is not fall on your face crying and saying how sorry you are. What's amazing is out of real genuine repentance, what we're going to look at, that will happen sometimes. It will. It'll happen. Why? Because the real genuine repentance, metanoia, is to change the way you think. And when the Holy Spirit begins to change the way you think, you begin to look back at the way you've treated people. And you see it now 
is less than what you should have treated them. And then your heart is grieved and you might fall on your face and you might cry and you might repent and you may go have a corrective conversation. You may say, God, I've not interacted with you right. And you may cry and you may repent and you may say, God, I'm sorry, I, I want to do different. But real, genuine repentance is just changing the way you think. We have to go to the word with a repented heart every time. Saying, God, I'm ready to change the way I think every time we go to those scriptures. And that's it. Just, God, you're right and I'm wrong, but I don't know where I'm wrong. Speak to me. Show me. Reveal to me. And he will over and over and over again. So now let's read this one more time. That the kingdom of God has come near. Change the way you think and believe the good news. Believe the good news. Our bottom line this morning is this, is that receptiveness determines effectiveness. Receptiveness determines effectiveness. God's word is true. And it'll change your life. But you have to open your heart. You have to open your heart. And if we'll open our heart to what he has to say, there's no limit to how we can grow and what God can do. But when we shut down, we're shut down. Our receptiveness, it determines effectiveness. Thank you for listening to this message from Celebration Church. You can keep up with all that God is doing here at Celebration by following us on Facebook and Instagram.